Welcome to episode 266 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto guys, welcome along to episode 266 of I Am Talk with Coach John Houston, Bevan James Oz, mate. How you going? I'm good, and you? You notice we haven't got water today? No water. It's only Sprite Zero. Sprite Zero. I don't no, do sugar zero. drinks. Zero? Jeez. No, you don't want sugar. Ooh, no, I'm not, I'm not even zero. Well, you're having nothing then. I know. <laughs> Go cold turkey. What are you like zero? It's disgusting. It just tastes. It's gross. No. No. Yeah. The whole reason of having a soft drink is you've got the sugar in there. No, it's not. Bad for you. Don't drink calories, team. Don't yeah. drink calories. I'm a fitness professional. It's one of my biggest messages. We don't know what's going to happen with today's show. We'll just see it's, what it's happens. It's been a disastrous couple of days, and this show may end up being that way as well. We've, we've got an interview lined up, but we're not sure if it's going to happen, so you're just going to have to wait in suspense to see who that person might be. Yep. So we, yeah. It'd be a great interview if it happens. Yes. It'd be a coup, really, wouldn't it? It would be. But it might not be a coup. Mm. We'll find out. Soon. It's, this is like a teaser, isn't it? It is. Uh, I Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com for, oh, that's a good, that was a good, you kind of said that really well. Thank you. Com, um, for the world's most amazing coffee, John. Extreme endurance. For the world's most amazing supplement to make you go faster. And athlinks.com. For the world's most amazing place to be an athlete. And our little uh, recording thing that we use here, what's it called, Garage Band? Yep. Going up and down, you can see our little voices and the little things, and it looks just like what it, what it does the, the seismic, seismic crap here. The price last couple of did, days. Mate. I was like, boom. Uh, yeah. There we go. Went up again. That was yesterday's one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so do we want to talk about that now, or do you want to wait a second? In this week's show, we've got some. What have we got coming up, John? We've got some news. We have. Let me have a look. We've got some news. John's history lesson. Yes, uh, and we'll have to research the person who suggested this name. Um, but I've got a little section on Spencer Smith. Oh, the nice. legend that he is we may have an interview now hopefully we have an interview and if not it doesn't matter because John did be quite optimistic in how much content he put on today's show notes so I think we'll be fine and then we've got a couple of questions and answers at the end mm. maybe we'll chuck in a high five or something if this interview doesn't happen surviving earthquakes high five <laughs> <laughs> okay then so first of all what's all that about that's to remind us we've got an interview somebody's interviewing us oh that's right who's interviewing us Jeff Jeff Smith from the Triathlon Podcast. Yes, in Australia. Oh, nice. He's a good guy, Jeff. Okay, then. Um, so, first of all, news. We had enough two earthquakes yesterday, John. What happened? Well, they were big ones. So they were, they were big, big ones. And, uh, yeah, not particularly pleasant. Never, uh, yeah, well, these, these big aftershocks. This is seriously big aftershocks. Yeah, these are big ones. You don't... I don't, didn't really feel like my life was in danger, but um, it just screws you. Well, the second one was interesting because the first one happened and it was big, but you know, you kind of knew you were safe. Whereas the second one kind of grew. Yeah. Whereas in, like when, the one we had in February, it was kind of, the switch was on and you knew you were in trouble, grab mm. the door and hold on for dear life. Mm. Whereas this one, it kind of started slow and you kind of go, is it going to be bad? And it kind of got worse, mm. didn't it? Yeah. And, uh, so you weren't sure if it was going to go to another level. Yeah, no, it's the third biggest earthquake we've had. So and it was uh, it was big, and a lot of people are on edge now, or a lot of people are over the edge now. I think, yeah, which is, yeah. Uh, I had my house, so um, in my kitchen. Has to be moving like. Oh yeah, she moves, man. She moves. <laughs> but I've got a um, a pipe under my house blew, oh, really? and I turned off my mains, and it kept going. So oh. they're gonna have to come. About two hours later, it stopped. Oh. Um, so they're gonna have to cut up my kitchen floor. Again? Yeah, again. They're going to have to go through my kitchen floor because so, they won't go in their houses right now, so they have to put holes mm. in your floor to actually go fix the pipe. 
Oh, so I've got no hints why I'm drinking Sprite Zero today. Right. Yeah, not you. You're going to be dry not through. Me. Oh, dear. So, yeah, not very nice times in Christchurch, but uh, once again... We come to Christchurch. It's a great place. <laughs> it's a great, great place. place. We've got an awesome triathlon here in December. And I don't think the damage is that bad around the city, is it? Probably a bit of liquefaction. Yeah, it looks like someone is pretty screwed. I hope Melina's mm. okay. Uh, I saw a text uh, on Facebook from... I'm supposed to be going to his place for, for dinner on Friday, so I'll find out about them, but... It's, uh, was his place still there? Hopefully. You know it is. He was online, so it must be. Okay. Um, and uh, other piece of news, John. Now, you didn't actually I get didn't this I didn't know one. this. I'm yeah. excited. I emailed you back. You, you haven't replied. Well, I, I, I only saw you were emailed there. Now, I only emails once a day, John. Okay. Yeah, only once a day. So, um, we, we finally made it to Triathlon, Meg. What do you mean? Well, it, it's not that exciting. Albert sent through a link. Um, wait a second. Let me go. I'll pull up Albert here. Albert sent through a link, and someone's obviously writing a piece in... Um, and triathlete mag on things to listen to when you're training yeah and they have uh give me two seconds here because my gmail do you find gmail can just pause sometimes i don't usually use my gmail i just it all comes into my outlook uh, okay wait a second albert yeah top one there top one no you missed it no but i don't think i i think that one didn't have the actual scan oh here we go here we go john view the scan here we go. This, I know this isn't very good podcasting. Sick of your run playlist. And it's basically got free things to listen to on iTunes. And it's got The Moth, which I actually listen to. The Moth is a podcast where people would just get up into a, in a bar and tell stories. Then yeah. have uh, NPR, which is National Public Radio in America, which has some good ones. I think they've got an ESPN one. But they've also got IM Talk. All things I, man, from pro interviews to training tips with two New Zealanders. Nice. So that's our first mention in Triathlete Mag, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Hey, yeah. We never so. made it as athletes, did we? No, no, never. No. <laughs> never. Very good. So thank you, Triathlete Mag. Whoever yes. wrote that, thank you very much, because we love your work. Mm. On that front, make well, sure you tell your friends about the show. If you're yes. doing Ironman, you've got mates doing, listening, doing triathlon, it's like, listen to the show, mate. It changes your life. And you know what I did this morning? What did you do? Because I, was, I spent the night at my in-law's place. How was no, that? No, it was fine. Any nookie? <laughs> no. <laughs> we had no power of water over here um, like yesterday, so uh, we went over there for the night. This morning I was replying to a relative in the UK, and I wanted to send them a link to the Christchurch, you can get Christchurch um, or Canterbury Earthquake maps, which show you all where they are. And I put in Christchurch or Canterbury Earthquake on Google, and I Am Talk came up on page one. On really? Google. Yeah, for our earthquake auctions. Oh, really? There you go. Nice. We've made it on Google as well. I'll tell you what, mate, we're starting to take over the world. Mm. Let's go to Triathlon News now. Well, okay. that was Triathlon News. But... Hey, Triathlete Meg. Mm. It's, it's, it's probably just about as big as us when it comes to Triathlon mm. News in the society. Okay, then, so uh, first of all, we've got some results. We had the Austria Double Ironman slash World Championships. So how do they, how do they call themselves Well, this? there's a series, um, there's, there's like the International Ultra Triathlon Organisation or whatever you call it, um, and... Uh, I don't know what page you're looking at there, Bevan. So. Yeah, no, I must have accidentally deleted it, so you keep talking. Um, and they sort of, don't authorise, but I think any any ultra sort of belongs to that group, um, and I don't really know what, what they get out of it, but they, they promote all the ultras, and this is designated to be the, the World Double Iron Distance Race um, Championships. It's held each year in Austria. Uh, the way they run this one is they do the swim double distance. So was that um, three, 3.6 Ks? They do it in, in a swimming pool? No, no, no. Double distance wouldn't be 3.6. Uh, two, three, 3.6. Oh, no, 3.8. So I'm thinking 1.8. So 7.6. They swim it in the pool. And the one thing with this is because I was um, coaching an athlete that was there, you have to swim it in your wetsuit. In the so pool. In the pool. So you you have to. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I don't know. It's just mandatory. That's sort of the rule. Um, so you have to swim. So in you're the swimming laps. Mm-hmm. And a twenty-five or a fifty. Uh, fifty. 
So I think there's about I think there's 64 starters or 64 on the list. So that's like it's um, eight eight to 64, eight in a lane. I'm presuming it's an eight lane pool. Faster swim, two hours. Two hours um, in a wetsuit. Um, but uh, yeah, he must be hot. I haven't spoken to my guy that did it, but um, must be very very hot. Um, yeah, he, that's he, horrible. He went for the short sleeve, especially option. for two hours. Yeah. Well, some people was up to three hours. Yes. So the swim was in in in, in the pool, and then the the bike. Was uh, laps of a of a short course. It was a fairly short course. So I think three sixty, and the top bike time was ten hours and thirty one minutes. 31. That's pretty fast. You know, you think about a half of a, 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 an iron distance. It's five fifteen for a half. That's pretty respectable. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is a pretty flat course. Yeah. And then the run is hundred and twenty six laps of a course. Really. So for double marathons, so you just done. And top time was seven hours ten. So. For the run to combine time for um, Adrian Brenward, yeah, um, nineteen hours fifty minutes and twelve. Um, and he was an hour twenty in front of the next guy, and I believe that was a new record. I don't know if it was a world record, but I think it was a course record. Um, and he wins it basically every year. So he's from Switzerland and just really dominated. It was uh, seventh out of the swim, just killed everybody on the bike, and then uh, and then backed that up with a you know he ran seven ten, the next fastest time we can see there eight, is about eight, seven seven fifty, um, oh, so yeah. so pretty impressive. Um, so he took it out. You need to give a, yeah, a shout out, Bevan, to Stephen Ray Stafford who finished in seventh place. Who's he? American, help him out. So he did twenty three oh oh six in the first. Oh, this is the guy you were talking about a while ago who's doing the double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember that. yeah. Uh, and first female athlete uh, was Andrea. No, Andrea Kaysenbacher from Austria, and pretty impressive, 24.08, finished 13th <laughs> place in the world champs. Well, it's a bit like the coast to coast, um, New Zealand, world. but uh, uh, no, that, they they do have a, a group of, uh, all the ultra-distance races do seem to be aligned, not all of them, the ones that I could see are aligned with this international organisation, and um, and they've sort of designated, right, this is the double world champs, you have Mexico, the one we talk about, Decker, each yep. year, that's like the Decker world champs, and then they'll have like a triple, so there does only appear to only be one recognised double champs, um, so... Hmm. Yeah, okay, well, good on, good on you guys. Good, good on, on you guys. All together, sixty-three double. people started, and about fifty-nine of you finished. So pretty good, pretty good finish rate. Pretty, pretty high. Yeah, for a race like that. Yes. Okay, we also had a UK enduro man happening over the weekend, and where are the results? Haven't actually looked on there, but and could probably click on that that live there maybe or um, the results. Yeah, maybe. I'll go results. Okay, um, so they had a number of options there, and we know there was a few of the uh, the old pirates racing there, and. It doesn't look too useful there. Um, go to the live page because that was the was okay, result sure there last time. To you, John, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, so they had a, a single option there. They had doubles. They had a, a five. You could do a ten. Um, and this, the, the way they were running this one is you did an Ironman uh, each day. <clears throat> and they're only up to day eight yesterday, so they haven't actually finished yet. So we'll just give you day eight's results, who was the fastest on that day. If you click on race results... And on day eight of the UK Enduroman a thon, there was only six wow, finishes on the head. The numbers day. are fading because wow. we had last week. There was it would have been like twelve ish. Yeah, it was it was well it was definitely not more than six. They may not have quite a few of them may not have quite finished yet though. Today's um, because it's still it's still What know, does a PSOF mean? That's their club. Oh. <laughs> so, so on day eight, <laughs> Jerry Duffy took it out in sixteen forty two. 
And then some, uh, to be fair, some will still be going, so we might have a look at the day before. And Monique Holmeshead, who we assume is the only female, well, I think the only female in the show. Someone actually asked, we, we should interview her, so maybe we'll get on the show. Okay, go back a page, Ben. We'll see if day seven, we'll see how many people are still in this. How do I do this? Just go back. Okay, I'll go back. <laughs> yeah, we didn't do any peas yesterday because. Uh, Decade day 10. Decade day 10. Or go down, go down 9. Go down 9. Oh, what's the letter? Too late. Um, it's only five people still. No woman. So Monique must have not quite finished. Mm. Anyway, we'll have a full wrap of that next week. We didn't do our P's yesterday because we didn't have any power. It's a good excuse. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a good excuse. We probably could have done it this morning, but. Well, I'll just start at 7 o'clock in the morning. I was, no. Okay, uh, Grand Tri Grand Prix happening. We had a 70.3, and we actually got an email through from someone who didn't want to be mentioned. Okay. Well, they just said that good old Anna um, Cleaver from New Zealand is doing really well. She got second to Joe Long and Tauranga, and now she's gone over and done this Grand Prix, and she got second to Kat Morrison. And she's no mean feat, and she was, I think she was in front of her off the bike. Um, Kat Morrison's a machine runner, as we know. So this was the one in the Basque country. We also had Julia Grant from New Zealand finishing in fifth place. On the guy's side of things, Clement Alonso was first. Uh, Aniko Lanos is coming off Ironman Texas. Was I think Alanis wins this race pretty much every year to this point, isn't yeah, he? So. But I think he was coming off. He was a bit fatigued. Well, so was Kate Morrison. She won Texas. This is true. Mm. Yes. So uh, come on, Nico. Sharp it up. Sharp it up. <laughs> so good to see some good racing there. And the, it sounds like an amazing race. Uh, but they start at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Why? That's the, you know what Spain's like. They yeah. just do things in the evening. and like. Do you reckon they'd be cool or not? Um, it'd be pretty hot. But apparently the crowds are incredible. Really? They're really, really deep crowds. So, hey, just need to factor it into your planning. Yeah, it's just life as a pro. Uh, we had various 17.3s happening over the weekend, and with some big news, although it didn't actually end up being winning, but Leander Cave was actually leading Chrissy to what point in the race? Off the bike, you know, oh, and she wow. had a couple. I think she had a couple of minutes off the bike, but then Chrissy ran a one sixteen um, and won it. So this was seventy point three Kansas. Yeah, I think it was. It was. Um, but good to see people taking it to Chrissy um, and not being afraid. And Leanne Cave has done this before. She's, I think, she was leading Kona. She's well. always been a strong cyclist, hasn't she? Yeah, I mean, she's she's won world titles. She's um, she's an awesome athlete. But good actually, to she, see. she gave me a ride. Nice. When I was in Rote, she gave me a drive down to the yes. convention centre. We, she was a nice girl. Good. Yep. So uh, good to see Pete Chrissy having to do a little bit of work to win races. And also it was interesting for me to see uh, at Eagle Man, there was $50,000 prize money, which is on par with with most Ironman races. So you can see why so many people want to do 70.3s instead of uh, Ironmans. I mean, we give people crap, a little bit of crap last week about not doing um, Challenge Cairns and maybe not doing um, the Ironman in Texas when it had good money. But when you can make... Um, yeah, similar-ish sort of money off doing a half-distance race. You know, the winner of Eagle Man seventy point three got the same money as Cameron Brown got for for winning Ironman New Zealand. So uh, interesting to see how the seventy point three series is un- unfolding, and I'm just happy to see so many of the top pros going head to head on a regular basis. I was talking cool. to Dave from um, Vine Man, which has been kind of crossing some emails over. He's just talking about some of the paleo stuff and all that we've been talking about, but. He was saying how um, <clears throat> they've got a real strong field. So, five man seventy point three, the pro field this year. They've got fifty athletes. They've got Potts, Reed, Liado, Doe, Gambles, Bennett, Greg Bennett's racing it, Tim O'Donnell, Terenzo Bazzoni. Plus, they've got Rennie, Lander Cave. Um, oh, nice little earthquake. Do we have to earthquake then? Yes. I didn't even feel it. God, you're so focused <laughs> on the show. So I, was, I was just asking him why does he feel that's so successful? Because he's saying it's pretty much the strongest field. 
70.3 in America at the moment, and it's just saying, well, the prize money is 50,000. Um, it's the last race we can get points for qualify- qualifying. Oh, right. Yeah, so look, it'll be the last one where people want to kind of get in and do it. Mm. And he said it's a really fair course, so it really helps, you know, the athlete who likes a, an honest race. Mm. It's a real fair course. So it's good to see that Vineman are out there, out there kicking butt as well. So Nice. Mm, so if you want to do Vineman, check out Vineman.com. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, we also have got coming up this weekend. What have we got, John? We've got the Bergen Triathlon in Norway, which looks like uh, whenever you, if you ever go to race in Scandinavia, I'm always picking those races are going to be pretty scenic so um, that's been around for quite a few years we've been talking about that one we've got the the go-to Nagasaki International Triathlon which is actually run on the same course as the old Ironman Japan so if you've gone and done that race that the event is still going ahead and I'm um, I, I know it's off the it's down right down the south of Japan so it shouldn't be affected by um, what's going on I would hope not and then uh, it looks like a new one on the the circuit is the Triathlon du Sud, um, which is in France, and it looks like it's a well, it's an event that's been around for a, quite a while, but it looks like this might be the first time they're doing an iron distance race. So whenever you go to race in France, they, I'm always surprised that the French don't produce more amazing athletes. They've got a really good, strong crop of athletes. But is this still the case, but because I know like they want to kind of, you know, that was a few years ago when you were there. Oh, it's still is the same. it still strong? But the thing is, you go along to say, to say this event, when I clicked on the website, they've got like, it's, it's a big festival. And this is pretty much all the races in France that we ever used to do. They're like festival events. You've got a kids' race, you've got a first timers' race, you've got an Olympic distance race, you've got a half distance race, and now they've got a full to this. So they've really got the full spectrum. They get a lot of funding from their. Sport their, their regional councils to put on these events and they're, they're generally big yep. um, and so it is so you're curious to see why isn't there crossover to that next level yeah because they, they get the kids involved from a young age um, but maybe they don't then have, they, they've got the events but maybe they don't necessarily have the programs to, to push them all through but um, it's one great thing about France that, that every um, you've got your little towns like we were in a fairly small town but they get a lot of funding um, and it gets grouped together for all sports in that town from their council and it, it's completely different model to what we're used to in New Zealand. Okay John just, just one thing before we move on Chance Barber Corhean Chance Barber sent through uh, an email did you see this? Uh, yes. Yeah it was interesting so I'm not sure how much facts there are to this one but he's just saying recently um, someone did the stats basically going you know well, anyone could probably figure this out really that 25 Ironman races average 1800 people race 600 bucks US entry so just the entry amount that they're making from races at the moment is 27 million dollars now obviously that's before costs and everything but interesting isn't it it is but I think most of that stuff they're all it's all mutually exclusive you know each event is you know, yeah I, I don't think they're I don't know they're obviously good they're not they're not struggling but um I'd just love to see their books Mm. We're interested to see where they really make the money. I'm sure licensing's got to be huge. Oh yeah, licensing would be huge. But, yeah, um, events. Okay, John. Are bloody expensive to put on. John, for the longest time, you've said I don't know how he's going to do it. He's not going to get entries to races. You know, I don't have much. You know, it's not that I don't think he's up to it. It's just uh, how's he going to do it? How's he going to get in? I, I don't see him getting in. Yeah, he got in. Macca's race in <laughs> Kitsfield this weekend. So how did Still it happen? Not quite sure how it happened. He um, must have got a wild card or something. Well, there is a few <coughs> tricks you can play. to Ah, oh, now they come out. Um, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how it works. I just can't quite understand. Macca, you tricky trickster. The, not not just to him, but the national federations because. Um, the way it works, you know, you, you enter your you can't, your national federation enters the athletes into the race. You can't just rock up and say, "I want to do it." Your national federation has to do it, and um, 
what you, you can do it a bit tricky is you can enter say your highest ranking athletes and yep. they automatically go on the start list because it's it's, yep. it's done on rankings but what you can do oh alistair okay we're gonna pause oh, the show here we go we'll, we'll, be, we'll be back on our interview over. happened yes and our interview is with who alistair brownlee oh current well he's not the champion, he's is current it? world number six current world number six but current legend of the sport really isn't he yes so uh, it's an interesting interview and we'll talk about after we put on yeah. let's go back to, to so Mecca back to Mecca so what I was sort of saying is the way you enter uh, a race is you have to do it through your national federation but what you can do say for example you're in a New Zealand situation Bevan Doherty and Chris Gemmell and Ryan Sissons might be quite high ranked so you enter them in but what you can do if they want to pull out you can sub somebody else in Oh, so let's say we've got three. We've got three guys there, and then Bevan doesn't want to do that race, for example, like he did Alpatress a couple of weeks ago. Yep. And so he wants to do another race, and so you go, okay, well, we've still got three slots. We can you can sub someone in now. I don't know exactly how the rules work around that in terms of where you must be ranked. My thing with Macca is I, I don't think he would have any points whatsoever. So unless the race didn't fill up, which most world championship races do, they must have done it somehow like that. Because um, they, they don't just give wild cards. Your federation somehow has to jingle it. Anyway, he's on the start list. Good luck to him. Well, he's got the, the thing is he's got someone on his side, isn't he? Because you know the federation, federation must yeah must think well let's give the guy a chance, mm. which is good. And despite us sort of saying you know hey after seeing how the other new Aussie not new Aussie guy but the guy who's currently ranked third um, his name has just gone slipped, slipped my mind at the moment. But he was he's he's been on fire in the first couple of races. He missed the swim pack in Madrid, so it's not unquestionable that if Macca can make a pack, and his swimming is a bit questionable, I think, if he can make a pack, it's not totally un- unreasonable that he, he c- could potentially still make it into the third-ranked Australian. It, it was interesting. There's a really good... Now, someone sent through a link to the piece that they had on, I think it was Slow Twitch or somewhere. I read it this week. And it was really interesting. Like, he was really honest about what this is from. He said it's, it's fascinating that, you know, he's always been the guy who's trying to win races, been really aggressive, you know, he's, you know, he's a competitor... Whereas this time he's in a place where, you know, he's just trying to just be a, another racer, isn't he? He's realistic. He knows he's going to get smashed. He's, I think he's totally realistic about that. But what I think his realistic potential he just realistic wants to get goal to the is he could be the third fastest Australian, and that's what I think he's really going after. And I don't think anyone should write off Macca. Like, if Macca's taught us anything over the last few years, mm. is that the guy is a wide athlete, he does his homework, and, you know... I, I don't think he'd be doing this unless he thought he really had a chance. Hmm. Now, I know a lot of people will doubt that, but, you know, I wouldn't be writing him off. I'm writing him off in terms of finishing in the top ten or anything like that, but I won't write him off in terms of potentially being third-ranked Australia. I think it's a real long shot. Um, But I think what we saw at Madrid was uh, if your swimming is a little bit off, like Greg Bennett, for example, good swimmer. The guy, um, Sexton, that's his name, um, not quite a good swimmer. If you miss that second pack, it's, it's over, Rover. It's just give up. Do you so, think you can pick up your swimming? But, you know, like if we look at Mac and we go, okay, well, he's been doing Ironman uh, for a few years. He would have lost swim speed. But do you think if he kind of six months of just intense swim training? Yeah, there is potential. Like his swimming, if we took it back to his ITU days, his swimming was good enough to make, um, back then it was it was absolutely fine to make front pack. But now it's it would be good enough to still probably make the main pack, the yep. main, but not front pack. And that's so, the key. He's got to get in that main pack, yeah, doesn't he? So, and the bike, he'll be able to sit in the pack. I'll be fine. And so then it's just, can he, how fast can he run? Mm. So it's going to be very interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I think in the article I read, he said, I'm not going to be running a, t- a 30 in a minute. You know, yeah. like he's, he's realistic. So I'm really excited. I'd love it if he can get to the Olympics. Mm. I think it's good for the sport. Oh, totally. You well, know? It gives, it's more PR about the sport. Yeah, so and just one thing on that. Um, 
uh, Lisa Kilday. Kilday. Um, she th- sent through a, a, just a bit of a review on his book, and she's given a 9 out of 10. She said there's some things that she was surprised he didn't talk about, um, but overall she thinks it's a pretty good read. So nice. we're meant to be getting our copies. Are they coming? I don't know. Mac is probably busy doing his, doing his race Come as on, well. Mac. We're more important than yeah. <laughs> this weekend's race. Exactly. Can we get a text in from there? Yes, from somebody. But he's not online. The person we need to speak to, so we'll carry on. Um, okay, so other news. That was um, pretty much this week's news, I think. Is it? Is it? Let me pull up. up. No, we didn't. Iron Man New York's happening, and good old James the White One Potel yes. had sent through a great kind of overview of it. He's saying basically that, that here's the skinny on the course, and just announced for the WTC for the IM USA Championships. I don't realize it was the USA Championships. So that must be moving because I'm sure it was in Texas this year. Was that the USA Championships? I didn't realise they ever had a USA yeah, Championships. Yeah. But they, now they have regional championships. You've got European champs. Well, they, don't have region, they don't have one for our region, but they have North American one. And, uh, yeah. We've got the New Zealand champs. Yeah. The one race. The New Zealand series. Okay, well, the interesting thing about the race is he's got this, he's saying the swim. This will be the fastest Ironman swim on record. The river flow in the Hudson is very fast, and the date is likely to be selected for a fast swim time. Croft... Quarft, uh, so who are partnering for partnering for this event, run the US on uh, the New York Olympic, and pick the time when Hudson runs fast. It's an, an estuary at New York City, so you have an up river currents. He predicts they'll go sub twenty five minutes, <laughs> but he's saying he did a, a woeful swim in the Olympic a couple of years ago, and he halved his time. The other thing with this um, swim apparently is um, there's some jellyfish and things like that potentially, oh, really? potentially there as well so so then you're saying bikes a 2k loops of a 27 mile ride out and back on the same roads ugly uh, well ugh. Ugh, it's probably impossible to do anything else in this area so athletes can't complain too much it's pretty flat no challenging hills but some long rolling terrain uh, because of the soft swim he reckons that guys will come in easily around 4.15 if you can get someone like Liado there Another comment I've had on the bike course apparently that, and we're not trying, I'm not trying to bag the event or anything. Um, we, we will discuss this later on in terms of whether it's a good idea to have this event there. But apparently the, the road surface there won't be won't be great. And yeah, as James has said, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a spectacular course. Yeah. Um, it's in a spectacular location in terms of downtown. But um, yeah, the run is the most challenging part of the course. The run over the GW Bridge climb is 600 feet, 200 meters plus. Uh, and before that, the undulating path along the Hudson will be a test for all leagues. Once in Manhattan, all, it's all downhill or flat for the last quarter or third of the run. Finishing in the city will be mad. New York City will be out to support anyone who can make it to 20 miles into the run. Across the bridge, there will likely be very quiet and private hell for a lot of people aiming to beat the cutoff as you just won't get any spectators there. Possible runtime, he reckons, around 2.50, so he reckons that a top pro could pull off a seven and a half. <laughs> we'll say. Yeah. I mean, the only difference, really, really, the only difference here is what the swim time might be, and I'm sure they'll figure that out. So the swim time might be quick, but I'm, I'm sure they'll figure it out. So it's more than 40 minutes. He's, he's got his overview impact on New York City on Ironman. Uh, it's going to be a huge event for the sport. It's going to be heavy media coverage, heavy, heavy media coverage. ABC, NBC, Time Warner, CNC, uh, CNN, sorry, are all there, and we'll cover this event somehow. ESPN are just down the road in Connecticut. Uh, for the support for this race will be mad. The New York Marathon has the highest finish rate despite being a hard course. Think about all the bridges. And it's because of the energy of the city. Plus, this one will be easy. So I think we'll see a lot of the people who will begin the race before I'm swimming all week to get into it. So what do you reckon? Well, I'm going to put this <coughs> under discussion of the week. Oh, well, I want to talk about it now. Okay. Well, but we can do it because sometimes we do that. Yeah. So my, well, my discussion that I'd like to get some feedback on is 
yes, this race is going to be awesome for the sport in terms of the profile of sport and, and lifting it even further into the into the mainstream um, because just purely because of the location and the media will yeah. pick up on it. Um, but I'll, I'll put the discussion out there now. Is um, Would people prefer to have a race like this that's going to do great things for the sport or would they rather see just another Ironman put on somewhere in a nice, awesome location where you're going to get a brilliant course? I'm going to answer it now. Go for it. I think this race... Okay. Because the thing, the way I see it, in a, in a place like New York, you've got to make some compromises. You know, you can't run an Ironman in New York without going. You know what? We're going to have to swim it up a river that's going. You know, like it's to me. You know, we we talk about you know you've got to swim yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Like to me, it's like you, the Norsemen's of the world. You know, they, they are epic in nature, and this is an epic city race. And I think <clears throat> there are going to be some compromises that we just have to accept in a race like this. But I think, A, for the sport, it, the coverage is going to be huge. So, you know, better for triathlon. And, and you know, like we were saying before, if, Mac, you know, if he can get to the Olympics, that's better for triathlon. But, B, for the experience, I think that would be a really cool race to do. I, I, like, I would like to do Ironman mean New York. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a really cool, fun experience to have around a race. So, for me, I really think it would be cool. I'll give my views next week. Oh, um, one thing that I did also see posted out there was... People, and I'm, I'm sure this is probably just speculation, but that the entry fee might be like a thousand dollars US because it will be incredibly expensive to put on that race. Um, yeah, the, the closures and all that sort of stuff. So it could be the most expensive race that ever has been. Oh, no, that won't be the most expensive race. Well, maybe it will be. Don't know. What is the most? It'll be the most expensive. Race? I'm sure it'll be the most expensive. To put on, iron, you mean? iron distance race um, to put on and also to enter. Well, because you think the, the marathon, what, probably eight hours out. Of the day, yeah, they probably yeah, have to book off so. roads, yeah. you know, for eight hours for the size people. So you think an Ironman, you've got 17 hours, it's, it's mm. you know, twice as long as the marathon, yep. isn't it? So, I'm, yeah. I'm picking an early start. When's the date? Have they set the date for it? I'm sure they have. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were going to, I was going to do a section on Torsten, who's come up with some, uh, and we're saying Torsten now, not Thorsten, because yep. I think that's how you pronounce it correctly. Um, he's done some, some good follow-up on some suggestions we had, so we'll, we'll bring that to you next week, because we've got a full show. He's done some homework. Okay, John, Sponsor. Sponsor. Athlinks.com. Click, click on those links. Click on those links. So, oh, we're talking about who's going to be racing, John. Yes, we love. Oh, I love these ones. Because that's the thing with Athlinks. As we've said before, you, yeah, you put your entries up there in terms of the calendar entries you're going to do, and you can say whether you're going to be attending these races. Is I'm in Lane this weekend. No, I'm in Cord Lane this week after. But I figured next week people might already be there. They might have left. Uh, so if people want to hear their names, we'll give a bit of love right now, yeah. John. Yes. So, well, um, if you go to Cord Lane, I reckon Kristen Hewitt is. And her aim is she's from where Franklin, Franklin, Wisconsin, maybe. Or so, WI's Wisconsin. Um, maybe not. No, it's probably Wyoming, maybe. Yeah, Wyoming, probably. Win- yep. Winnipeg? No, that's a, I don't know. Isn't it a man? No, that's a place. I don't think it's a state. Winnipeg? What is it? Um, she's aiming for a fourteen thirty, John. I think you're going to do it. Good, Bill Tankovich. Oh, since great. it's been nine years since I've done one I just want to finish it would be nice if I did as well as my first one which was just under 13 hours it would even be better if I did as well as my last so just under 12 hours just reading my tea leaves here Bill you're doing under 12 yeah yeah. Michael Scott first full right, Ironman well done, just yep. looking to finish nice then we've got uh, Brad Soma he's going for a 12.15 everybody whose comments on here seem to have the first Ironman Eric Sachin um first Ironman so goal is to finish Everything, anything under 14 hours is a bonus I really hope the athletic gods John and Bevan see this <laughs> oh 
there we go. There you go, Eric. It was worth your time. Oh, right? We're gods, John. Right well, good old Patrick, good old Chalmers. He's going to be doing a, a sub ten. He wants to go a fast marathon. Nice. Oh, I'm loving the Eric. So that can you nice, can you nice. Steve Barr, finish first and likely as last IM distance race. It would be nice to go sub six on the bike though. Whatever happens on the swim and the run happens. Good old Tim Swanson. He's got, got to get a mention on IM talk. Yeah. Ah, okay. Seriously though, number one goal of finishing uh, to finish, preferably enjoy the day. Second goal PR sub eleven forty six. Uh, three is to do a sub four hour run. And goes sub eleven hours, so he's got ten fifty nine fifty nine. Last person with so a comment, Kevin Braun, Kevin Braun, um, who's from Abu Dhabi, to crack the ten hour mark. More realistically, the goal is sub ten fifteen, but would have to be a great race for me. So, what you want to do, team? If you're going to be doing a race, we'll do France next week, eh? Okay. Yeah, if you're going to be doing a race. And you just want to let people know what you're up to. It's really cool. 44 people have gone on here. And you can actually maybe, like, you can connect with them if you've got someone who's of a similar speed. So um, you can go, okay, this guy's going to be doing a 10 and a half. Maybe we can meet up. And well, you might see some long lost school friend on there and you can connect with them and say, that's hey, right. You I'm might meet the lover of your life, Romeo and Juliet. That's true. You know, all types of things can happen on athletics.com. So you go on there, you put on what you're going to be doing for the season, and this is another way you can connect with other people who are doing the things that you're going to do. Let's just go fastest person so far. It's Andrew Pearson. Person. Anyone else going faster than nine and a half, John? Can you see it? Can you see it? You do that side. The other side. Nine forty there, George no, Dameron. No, nine thirty going for Pearson. Pearson, sorry. No, he's taking it out. Good luck. Good old Andrew Pearson. He's going to be winning it. Oh no, sorry, you're, I was wrong. Who was the nine forty? George Daron. Damron. He's. Oh no, Graham Graham Roche. Oh Graham Roche. Nice, and he wants to get to Kona. Simple as that. Nine thirty. You'd hope would get you there. I hope so. Steve Barr's got a pretty fresh looking bike. Hey, it's a tri bike if you've ever seen one. Okay, John, athletics.com. Uh, Put your stuff on there, team. Okay, so we hopped up with a week, what, a week this week we've already talked about. What is it, John? Uh, is having Ironman New York uh, a good idea? Would you rather see a race be put in a more scenic location with a really nice course? Um, okay. Even looked at what we did last week. Um, so with, with the advent of Ironman New York and Ironman Canada, blah blah blah, and that's what we're, we're talking next week. Oh no! Last, what do we love about WTC? Last week, what we love about WTC. Now, to be honest, John, a little bit disappointed. Mm-hmm. Well, we only got like nine responses. <laughs> And and then, some weeks we get like 30 on the music we had like 44 comments or something like that yeah when people when we hate WTC we, we, we get a lot of them but yeah. it's a little bit disappointed yes. but that's okay let's go Chris Weeks he's got bring triathlon to the masses creating heroes everyone who crosses that line is an envy of their mates and they give everyone the same dream Kona um, Brian Lafleur, as learned this morning on my walk to work, I love that they are bringing an Ironman to within a few hours of my place. Lake Placid will no longer be the go-to race for Ottawans. Matt Trench, it's about, uh, for me, it's about the towels they give out. I love those towels. From the moment I arrive until the I get my towel at the finish, all I can think about is, what will the towel be like? Yes. I don't care about the medal or the time, just how good the towel will be. Once it was blue and pink, I almost cried with disappointment. Oh, those <laughs> towels. Ned Phillips, the one thing they seem to nail every time is the logistics and event management and organisation. You can't fault them on that. No. They deliver a superb product um, to their main customers who are age groupers. They screw the pros, but they seem to get away with it. <laughs> and of course, they have Kona. Being a seashore running man, um, they run a great event and make really make their feats really feel part of something special. So far, the WCC races I have done, the logistics were impeccable, aid stations were well stocked, volunteers were plentiful and terrific. Their races are pretty pricey, but you get value. 
I hope that Rev Free and Challenge are also successful because I think competition in this space would just make everyone better. What I like about them currently is uh, I like they're trying to build um, some key races, some four key races or so for the pros. You know, Ironman Europe, um, Ironman Texas, which may move to um, wherever it's going, New York. Um, and they're trying to build some races for the pros where there's better prize money. They're trying to get the pros going head to head. Also, really like the 70.3 series. And also like that uh, they do for the most part um, run very very good events sometimes there are the odd one out there oh, that's, be, that's you, bad that's no, bad I think that's, that's bad luck that's pretty, pretty unfair Yeah, because they're pretty great yes. when it comes to running events yes. it's pretty rare when we get critical feedback on there and uh, often it may have been in a licensing situation yeah yeah and no, I think when it comes to events they really have got a pretty classy product I think I think some things is, well, I wasn't really listening to you to be honest because I was okay. looking here at the green light kid and, yeah. his, and his jersey yes. and I'm loving it David Rowe looking yeah. good looking sharp but anyway uh, I actually think one thing they do really well which they probably don't get enough credit for is selling of a dream mm-hmm. I had a dream so I join you I don't know that one no <laughs> um, I think it was steps but anyway no that's, that's Eber isn't it oh yeah maybe right yeah, maybe you're just yeah. out, of, out of key yeah I probably was I'm not the sharpest singer but anyway um, I think that, that that's one thing they do extremely well like mm-hmm. the reason we get you know, they don't have to worry about the pros is because they get so many age groupers. And what they do do well, and I know this frustrates you because you, you kind of don't necessarily believe in the... It's not that I don't believe, I just... You get frustrated with the imbalance just, of... Just, just proportionate. Yeah. So, but that proportion does work. It gets people oh. to get out there and do sport. And, and like I know for myself, I, I remember being a kid watching the Hoyts on ESPN one day and it was one of the most emotional things I'd ever seen in my life and I was about I cried John Sorry. I huddled like a baby yeah <laughs> and uh, but you know and I think what that does is it opens up people's minds to the possibility that they can do something like this mm. and you know often like I often think that when you've had an experience you disregard it to other people so like we've done an Ironman so much then when someone comes to you and they go, I'm going to do an Ironman, we kind of go, oh, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's not that hard. You, you, you know, this, this, and this. Yeah, yeah. And, and that sometimes being experienced, you forget how much, how important those things are for people who are new to that world. And for people who are listening to this or who, who are new to Ironman, it's such transformational, such transformal, how do you say that word? Transformal Transformational. Trans- that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Transformational stuff in your life. Yeah. And, and the positive effects of that is, is huge. And I think that the, the company does such a great job of that and so for me I think we have to give them credit for that because I think all of us or not you because you come from that athletic background mm. but for a lot of us including me it was the dream that sold me mm. you know and, and they actually do deliver on the promise mm. now when we get into the insight when we get deeper into what you know we cover on the show there's definitely some things they need to sharpen up on but that dream I had a dream so but the dream and, and the delivering of the dream you know, you do go to the race, and they do show the Julie Moss running over the finish line, and and you know when you're first, and that's the first time you're there, that's you really do believe that stuff. So, you know, I think they've got a really good product, and I think they do sell the dream really well. I also love their kind of coverage online, very good. Yeah. Um, and just wondering if anybody else out there, whenever Ben Vevin mentions the Hoyts, is the first thing that comes into your mind? Um, my interview the interview about the relationship. <laughs> whenever you mention their name, that's just the first thing that comes into my head. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was a good moment. That, that was, was probably my, hi- my highlight of my career. <laughs> yeah. You so, know what? I I stand by it. 
Good. How was I to know? No, you weren't to know. It just was an awkward moment. Yes. Do you want to do that or we'll do that when we do sponsorship? Stop, uh, that's okay, so this week's discussion, what is it? Um, uh, uh, York is, New, is, is New York a good thing or would you rather see an Iron Man uh, in, a, in a more scenic location? Just while I'm on our Facebook page, thanks to everyone who sent through uh, kind messages around you know, us being okay. We are okay. Yeah, I didn't actually respond, but John did, so... Mm. Um, okay. Um, music. Let me hear the music. Let me hear the. Oh, it's forty minutes. Um, and we've got a thirty-minute interview in there. What do you want to put in? <laughs> oh, I don't know. We've got a critical email this week saying get back to the old format. Did we're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. No, we're not doing it. No, we're not doing Thorson. No, we're not doing Thorson. We're doing Spencer Smith. Are you going to do John's history? Yeah. It you want to do it? It won't be going forever. I'll, I'll, Are you sure? I'll, I'll bullet point it. I'll bullet point it anyway. Okay. Be like It'll be five points. minutes. It'll be five minutes. Okay, I'm, I'm timing you. Okay. Could I ding a bell? In five minutes. Okay, okay, wait, okay. Don't interrupt me too much. Though. Okay, wait. Oh, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the music. Here we go. John's history lesson. Okay, John Bo, so what I've done, I've got my iPhone out, yep. and I'm gonna put a timer on. Okay. And then I've got my bell. Okay. And then after five minutes, I'm gonna I'm gonna just bow you and you have to stop wherever you are. Okay. Okay, so wait see let me put a timer on. So you can't even do your intro yet, you've got five minutes. Why don't we just work off this and say when we get to forty five minutes? No, 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 okay, I'm gonna okay, time you because okay. I don't oh, I'm, I'm gonna cover that up so you can't even see. So, oh, that's a bit unfair. Yeah, no, it's the way we roll. Okay. So, wait a second, you can see your notes. Yes. You can't see the time. Yes. Right, don't look up in the top corner. Don't cheat, John. I'm not cheating. How can I cover that up? Just, I'll be focused. No, don't look at that. I'll cover that up as well. Look okay. at that. There look at go. that. Okay, stopwatch. So he's got a piece of paper hanging over the top of the computer. So, he can't see the clock in the corner. You can't see the timer on GarageBand. Yeah. I've got the bell ready. <laughs> Sorry about the noise. Okay, ready, set, go. Okay, so Spencer Smith. Who's he? is one of the legendary athletes of our time. Uh, Why? So I'm just going to walk, talk through this. I'm just going to ignore Bevan. And, um, no, no, I will work with okay, you. Okay, okay I'll, I'll, I'll work. Yep. So we, we had an email and Sorry, I'm not going to give you the, the love and we can give you a bit of love last maybe week I'll saying, hey, maybe we should get Spencer Smith on the show. Um, and I've got his email address, so we'll get in touch with him. But I thought, Today, we're celebrating all things Great Britain. We've got Alistair Brownlee on the show, um, and Spencer Smith is a man from Great Britain. Um, my first recollections of the name Spencer Smith came Matt Brick, who is a multiple New Zealand, not multiple world, uh, duathlon champion. Uh, when I was, went to my first national triathlon championships, which I think was 91, he got up and gave a presentation, a talk about all the stuff, and he said, oh, I raced this young, bloody British guy who was like 19, looked at him everybody was talking him up and I looked at him thinking he was some sort of joke he had these huge big thunder legs and, uh, and he, but he proceeded to at the start of the run just took off and just spanked everybody and Matt Brick was the current world champion oh, okay. so I think that was everybody's first indication that this guy could be pretty awesome and so he was an awesome duathlete but his swimming was extremely strong as well so then my second recollections of Spencer Smith were Muskoka World Champs, and I'm doing this off memory. I like to do my history lessons off memory. Oh, you have actually written them all down. Um, was <laughs> yeah, but I didn't do my re- didn't do any research. Okay, on you, it. Didn't, you didn't Google it. So 1992 was the Muskoka World Champs, um, and I can actually remember. I think I've got the podium of the elite race there. Simon Lessing won, and I'm pretty sure it was Rainer Mueller and possibly Rob Burrell on the program on the podium. So I can remember the podium from 1992. So why Spencer, Smith? So Spencer Smith won the junior race that oh, okay. year. Juniors used to be under 20. Second place was Cameron Brown. That's why I remember oh, that. Wow. Um, so that was a pretty impressive race by Cameron. How long was this? 1992. Wow, is this 20 years ago, man? Yeah, yeah. 
So it was... Uh, Brownie's still going. Brownie's still going. Spencer Smith isn't... Well, I don't know if he's still going. He doesn't seem to be. So that was Muskoka. The following year led on to the... Um, so this 1992, he won the World Junior title. 1993, the World Champs were in Manchester in the UK. If it goes over five minutes, I'm going to carry on my stories. Well, you're um, not doing very well because it's two minutes 14. Okay, so in Manchester, uh, World Champs, he just destroyed everybody. He was an awesome So, wait so he's gone from a junior, now he's racing elite. Elite. Straight a year later, just killed everybody. So he's done a brownie. Swim off the fr- swam off the front, just destroyed them on the bike. So this is still non-drafting time, isn't this it? This is non-drafting. So second that year was um, Simon Lessing. He came through, ran past. Now was this the stage where Lessing was still the dominant? Was the dominant well, character, or was this when he was coming? This was on when he was well? coming through. But he had won the world title the year before. Okay. So it was basically the start of the Lessing era. era yep. Um, he ran past Hamish Carter, who was second off the bike, and uh, and so then it was Lessing second, Carter third, and then the following year the world champs moved on to Wellington in New Zealand, and, and John Newsom was racing, wasn't John he? John Newsom was racing yeah. in the junior race. Still got the results, haven't you? I have. Yeah. Spencer Smith came along, and uh, it was not a particularly challenging course. It had a couple of hills in it. So he's defending champ. Defending champ. Swam, I can't remember, he would have been right at the front um, coming out of the swim, and then again just killed them off the bike. And I remember standing there watching, he came off the bike, and uh, we just we were wondering where the hell everybody else was. And it like was couple, it? a couple of minutes passed, really? and then this massive pack came in of like 30 guys and a loose bunch, yeah. you know what it's like these days. Um, and he just absolutely destroyed them all, and then proceeded to run, I think equal fastest runs for the day and had another top world title under his belt and that was the last non-drafting world champs they ever had and that was the last time he so he was gutted by yeah, world change so he, he, he did not, ruined his career. I don't think he ever did a, a non-drafting race oh really so he just yeah. said bugger this bugger this and then he moved to Ironman and, and half distance races so that was really where he made his name got two world titles a junior title and was the dominator wouldn't you yeah but the what as I've said before, there was no other choice. They had to do it. They yeah. had to do drafting. And so he went off and did Ironman um, and had some great results. He had a couple of top tens in Kona. I think his highest place was maybe about a fifth. Um, won a couple of Ironmans as well. You sort why, of, why, was it, why didn't he win Kona? You, kind of, you look at him and you go, okay, well, he's in, in non-drafting races. He's dominant in all three sports. Mm. You know, and your your argument is that the top IU to you guy will always be an Ironman, and, and maybe at this time the Ironman athletes were a higher caliber in comparison to the ITU. No, I think he just he did a bit of a macker. Probably he needed a few more years. The issue was, I think it was his first Kona performance. It might have been his second one. Um, he got a drug ban. So, oh, back it up! But he got off the drug. Then then it was cleared. Uh, Why was it a year, a year or two years later? I don't know whether it was technical. I I don't know the ins and outs of it. But the, the reality. John, the bell's was, ringing. But, it's but, good, it's but, good. but I'm interested. So it's a good story. Talking. So he got a, he got a drug ban. He got that cleared. Um, I don't know whether it was technicality or whether the drug the the test was was a stupid test. As it's oh, a, the stupid does drug tests. Who knows? And you know. go, what drug test you getting today? I'm the, getting the reality, a stupid one. The, the reality was <laughs> he, he he got banned, but it got overturned. I'm gonna get over the stupid drug test. But anyway, he got. Um, you can look at it two ways. He either got off or it was a technicality, was a technicality yeah. and, a, and he shouldn't have tested positive. I, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Drug testing's a funny thing. Yeah. So in that time, when he did that, he actually went off and did uh, some bike racing. He raced for a pro bike team. Oh. The Linda McCartney, you know, they did Linda oh, McCartney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a Linda McCartney team and he rode that. Didn't do particularly well, I don't think. Um, but you don't he, expect a, a top triathlete to be no, able to be... No. Well, there could be a, a, a packer, a bin. And so then... I th- 
think I can't remember then whether he actually came back to triathlon or not. Um, I think he may have done, but I don't think he did spectacularly well. So that's the main gist of his his, his story. Dad? His dad was a very um, interesting character, one of those real loud in your faces. Come on, son, get out there yeah. and f- kill yeah, the yeah, man. Really. And apparently he had a few run-ins with uh, Lessing because he hated Lessing. Because huh? <laughs> they were obviously both racing for Great Britain, and Lessing was obviously a South African who'd sort of just yeah. adopted Great Britain, and uh, and apparently they had a few words from time to time. But his dad was very charismatic. But his dad passed away probably in the mid to late-ish 90s, and I think that was a pretty... Because he was, like, there every single race. Really? Um, so I think that was a fairly big part of his life that uh, I, wonder if he looks, I wonder how he looks back on his career and the what ifs you know mm. if it didn't go to non-drafting mm. you know like it sounded as though he was becoming a very dominant character in that style of racing mm. and then you, you change one rule and suddenly your whole game plan's gone well, he's, he's definitely he should be in anybody's top 10 greatest athletes of all time um, Did he, was, was he in yours well, I'm pretty sure he was yeah I mean he must no, have no he been. wasn't actually I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, sure he was. wasn't yeah. <laughs> I can always guarantee you didn't have Spencer yeah. Smith anyway, I'm but sorry. I think we're doing greatest Ironmen or did we do greatest triathletes? Well, he did. He won two. I mean, I know we were doing greatest triathletes. Yeah. Um. So just a, an awesome name to keep in the history books because uh, he was really was a legend and and just brought an aggressive style of racing and um and a style of racing you often get you swim bikers and they can't run but he could swim bike and run. Yeah. But it was the total package. He was a total package. So mm. that was Spencer Smith for you, ladies and gentlemen. And that was actually Mike um, Mike Kenning from the UK who sent right. through the idea. To so it took me, what, about eight minutes? Yep, yeah, not bad, not, not bad. bad. Okay, sponsor. We're going to talk about, who we're going to talk about, John? Um, let's do Coffee's Why. We've got the Facebook page up. Yeah, we have, John, and we have a winner. Wait we a second, I'll put it up. So we had a vote on our Facebook page. for the. We had three nominees. I know she voted, and so did I. Yeah, we had three nominees for who had the best picture um, with, with an I Am Talk theme to it. And the prize was going to be a bike jersey courtesy of Albert Boyce and Coffees of Hawaii. And so the voting, it, it moved around a little bit. The yeah, because Mountain Snail started off strong. He did, so he must have lobbied a bit there. Yeah, I think he did. And then Mackie came in and she was she was doing quite well. Yeah. But then Brian finished off strong. So Brian Lafleur, he commented this week as well. He was, if you haven't seen the picture, he was on... Um, his picture was a, a, a Dears and Troy Dears and Troy from behind and he had um, I Am Talk integrated in there as well so it was very good, good so Brian, Brian can you please email us and by, by behalf I'll of, take care of it I'll Facebook him Oh, we, I, know, we, I know how to do that now oh you move it up in the yeah, world man I'm I really do. proud of you it's, it's awesome okay um, what am I saying here Brian's the winner Brian's the winner but we have to say big things to Coffees of Hawaii Coffees of Hawaii because Coffees of Hawaii are providing it for Brian now I will say if you are you know listening to the show Two coffees of Hawaii and like their Facebook page. Mm. So, that is, you know, it's just good for business for some reason. I'm not really sure how why businesses want to be on Facebook so much. I think it's easy to communicate with their customers. Mm. Either way, just you're on Facebook, you know, you go to our page, I am talk, we've got a little link to the things we like, and one of them is um, obviously coffees of Hawaii. Go on there, like coffees of Hawaii because they're a big part of this community. And so, and they use their page, they've got some nice, you know, just updates of what they're doing. They've got some uh, proverbs, some proverbs some on deals. there. Father's Day sale is live. Look at this. Brian LaFleur is on the Coffees of Hawaii page as well. Nice. Cameron Collins. Nice. How you going, Cameron? Nice. Remember Cameron? Try yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So there you go. Get, get, like their page and just like Coffees of Hawaii. And if you want to get any uh, coffee, just go to our imtalk.me page and that's got all the discount codes. They've got some there. photos from Escape from Albatross. We didn't talk about the fact that the Kiwi girl won it. Bevan Doherty? 
Kim oh, no, Kiel. he got second. Um, Nicky Samuels. Yeah. Mm. We didn't even talk about that. We didn't even talk about the race at all, I don't think. Why is that? Because it was Olympic distance. Well, we, we normally talk about escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. Well, Andy Potts did very, very well and won it. Bevan Doherty was second. And Matt Sharabot. Uh, I can't remember how fast he won it. Nicky Samuels She's won having it. a great season. She is. Is it a competitive a, race? Or is it more of an... Oh, it's pretty competitive. Oh. Pretty, uh, not, not incredibly competitive, but... You know, she's a machine on the bike and she just kills them all. And so, but she, she's having a great season. But she needs to pick up her running for um, to make sure she makes the Olympic team for the Worlds, for, for the Olympics, because that third spot for the Kiwis is going to be tricky. Okay, John. Interview time. Do you want music? Yeah. Okay, I'll put some music on. Okay, that took 10 minutes. Okay. So, something British. Something British? Okay, here we go. Here's, my, here's what I consider poms to be. Here we go. <laughs> I could be in trouble here. Here we go. What can I find? Interview. So we have an interview with Alistair Brownlee right now. I'm going to say thank you to two people. Good old Tim Hemming. He works for the Sun newspaper over there in the UK, and he sent us through some info. He's actually talking about Phil Graves mm-hmm. and saying how Phil Graves thinks these guys are absolute legends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also good old Tom from Marathon Talk who helped talk us up with, That's right. with Alistair. Alistair so. Brownlee. So Alistair Brownlee. So um, tell us a bit of a quick one, John. So as we've found out in the interview, the first time he really shot on the scene was the start of 2009, just killed everybody at the Madrid round of the World Championship Series. And since then, despite a little bit of a hiccup with um, a collapse at, a, at a, uh, the London race, uh, I don't know if he's really been defeated. Well, he's, he's almost gone undefeated. Um, I think Gomez might have beaten him in, uh, he's, he's in the race. Losses. Yeah, but yeah. very, very rare. Yeah. Um, and really, he's got the full package. Anybody who watched Madrid... Um, a couple of weekends ago, awesome swimmer, aggressive on the bike, and very, very fast on the run. So uh, going to be a huge amount of pressure on him and his brother to bring the Great Britain a Quinella at the Olympics next year. And if, you're going to, if you're a betting man, John, which you are a little bit, aren't you? Yes. You'd be putting your money on them, wouldn't you? I would not be afraid to put a little bit of money on them yeah. going one, two. Yeah, one, two, <laughs> one, two. Here we go. So here's the interview. Righty-ho, um, we're obviously an Ironman-focused show, but this week we're um, going back to my roots and back to my passion, um, which is short course racing, and we've got the man on the show who's uh, currently, he's not leading the world rankings, but many regard him as the the fastest man on two legs in short course racing at the moment, um, it's Alistair Brownlee, so welcome along for the show, Alistair. Hiya, thanks for having me. That's good. <laughs> hey, um... Obviously, you know, people that follow the sport are well aware of everything you're achieving at the moment in terms of uh, winning races and what have you, and, and, and clearly you've got a bit of a background in running. I know I've read about um, you know, your foul running and, what, and, and, and doing that as a, as a youngster. Can you just give us a bit of um, insight into your background, perhaps um, in your, say your earlier teens, obviously, um, and how big a role swimming played for you? Um, well, I started swimming when I was about six or seven. I think my mum was quite into swimming, so um, she took both me and my brother down to the local swimming club, which was Airbus Swimming Club. Um, she probably swam a couple of times a week then, um, building up to a bit more when I joined what was the City of Leeds kind of swimming scheme. Um, worked my way up the swimming scheme till I was probably swimming um, maybe six, maybe maximum seven times a week by the time I was 13, 14. Um, and then yeah, I carried on swimming, kind of at that kind of level, maybe a bit less, all the way through my teens, pretty much. And, and so, when did you sort of start bringing in uh, in the sort of triathlon side of things? Um, well, I was running as well. Um, a bit at a local running club, Bingley Harriers, and uh, through schools, um, lead schools cross country and that kind of thing, and fell running from probably being eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and maybe even a bit younger. And then um, I think I did my first triathlon when I was 10. And then by the time I was 11, I was doing quite a bit of triathlon as well. So I was doing swimming galas one weekend, triathlon another weekend, cross-country race one weekend, fell race another weekend. So I was doing a bit of everything, really. So, you know, you're a 10-year-old, and you're, you're kind of being the young, athletic 10-year-old that you were. At that stage, did you think, I want to be a professional triathlete, or was that not even in your mind? Um, no, not at all, really. I was just uh, a 10-year-old who enjoyed doing sport and was doing a bit of everything, um, trying out, yeah, trying out, um, yeah, just, I suppose, trying out every sport I could uh, and enjoying it. Um, and, yeah, you know, triathlon wasn't my main focus as a 10-year-old and I wouldn't say anything was. I was just kind of doing everything equally and giving everything a go, really. What do you think of, I mean, obviously, I know you've come through, um, it sounds like, the, the British program or the Leeds program and your brother, and we've heard, you know, Philip Graves comes from a similar area and you've got a, a few other athletes around there. Um, why, why do you think that your particular area or your junior program that you below belong to is or did belong to was, was successful and, and where do you what do you sort of see with other programs where they might be falling down um yeah well, there's a couple of questions there really there's there been the great britain program which is lofty funded um well we were all part of that from probably being 14 15 um and at the time it was um kind of regional based so every month there'd be a weekend camp all the way most of the way through our teens where uh, you know, people like um, Johnny, Phil, me would go away for a weekend. It could be a weekend at a cycling track, a weekend where there was a 50 metre pool, a weekend uh, staying in a barn in the middle of the Dales where we just got on and did some training, really. Um, and that was fantastic. It was really good at the time because men we could get together, had something to look forward to through the winter um, and do a bit of different training. Um, and then as the kind of programme moved up, you went on national camps and so on and so forth. So, and, and I think the kind of the Great Britain programme has definitely got a part to play Mm -hmm. Um, although I think especially Johnny and I would probably be doing triathlon uh, without it Um, but it was there and it's definitely had a definitely had um, yeah something along the way Um, but then I think probably a bigger factor or a big factor is just the area Um, you know we all live in a fantastic area where there's a kind of very rich heritage of sports you know there's hundreds of cycling groups going out a lot of the time Um, you know very strong running clubs a very strong history of running leagues and different clubs fell running cross-country racing track racing and quite a lot of swimming clubs um so both johnny and i and and people like phil um always swam kind of with the local swimming club right up you know which could provide you with almost as many sessions as you wanted every week so Mm. um that along with the the area being very nice for training as well i think that's probably all had an effect nice and um obviously you know you've really been dominating things the last couple of years but my first memories of seeing you race because we we don't really follow the great britain scene and they would have seen you coming up through the junior ranks and saying hey watch out for this guy but for us internationals i remember the first time i saw you was uh, chris gimmel just beating you out i think of a, a world cup race in um Rhodes, i think it was and then seeing you race in the Olympics and sort of trying to attack off the front there and being fairly aggressive. And then um, post-Beijing, um, all of a sudden the next season started and, uh, and you, were just, you seemed to be head, head and shoulders above everybody else. What, what really changed for you between, um, say, racing Beijing and then um, onto the next season where you, you'd clearly taken it to the next level? Um, nothing actually changed in my training or anything. Um, I think getting a year older was a massive factor. Um, you know, I went from being, uh, well, at the time when Chris Gennel just beat me, I think I was still a junior. Um, 
the year after I was a first year senior in Beijing and then the year after that I was 20 so you know I kind of got quite a lot older mm-hmm. um the difference between 19 and 20 is quite a big jump I think um so that was a big factor um I just had a good consistent winters of training um probably focused a bit more on triathlon as well and I think what Beijing gave me more than anything was probably the confidence that I could race right up there with the best guys and um and just a bit of motivation to go away and, and train hard that that maybe being the best in the world wasn't actually that far away and it kind of made my goals seem kind of achievable and I could go away and just train and see how it went but even when even saying all that I definitely didn't expect it when I um turned up at the world series the year after so so you're just saying then um that uh you were focused you decided to focus more on triathlon kind of after Beijing so to that point you know you're obviously doing pretty well if you can second to get more in some races had you not really thought this is the path um no I, I wouldn't say that um I mean it's probably just lack of confidence um okay. I, I knew I love triathlon and by then um I'd changed uni courses so I started off doing a very kind of tough uni course um, and came to a bit of decision whether I should um, carry on with a very tough uni course that I couldn't train properly or or train properly and do something different so I decided to go for the training really and go for triathlon so by the time I'd done that I'd already kind of committed to triathlon I suppose as it were um, and then yeah it's the confidence I got from Beijing more than anything the, the fact that I wasn't a million miles off uh, racing at the very top level and I could go away and train and just see where it took me. What was it like being in Beijing, being you know, being a pretty young man, kind of being at the Olympics, racing in such a huge event? What was it like for you? Um, it was amazing at the time. Um, you know, I think the Olympics is very special in triathlon because it is such a, you know, it's not a mainstream sport a lot of the time. So, you know, you go to the Olympics and um, there's press conferences and you're surrounded by other athletes and the, it's the experience of a big event. But I really did realise at the time that I was racing the same athletes, you know, even the same guys started the race, it was the same people videoing the race, the same coaches, the same people at the finishing shoot, so, and it was still a swim bike and a run, so it wasn't that different. Yeah. And um, one of the things that we've discussed on the show once or twice is, um, you know, we've, we've seen you dominating races, you know, say you might, you know, you've obviously been to Madrid and um, and won that, and in previous years, you know, you've started your season off really well. Um but we haven't sort of seen you, you know, I've been a little bit surprised, we haven't seen you, say, go over and do um, the Des Moines race, which is the richest race in the world, um, when you seem to have the metal over everybody and you could go over there and, and obviously you've got to race extremely hard to, to win any race. But um, what, what, why is the reason for not going over and, say, doing doing that race in particular, which is which is such a good money money draw for, potentially for you? Well, that's just how it's fallen, really. Um, so the first year that I started racing really well was... Uh, in 2009 um, and I kind of planned the races I was going to do and it was a couple of weeks after Madrid and um, I never in a million years expected to win Madrid so yeah. um, I just planned my races out um, to plan thought right what races I can do to get to count for the World Series and then um, I did Madrid Washington I think Des Moines was just after Washington I had the European champs when I got back so yeah. I didn't want to over race so I decided to give it a miss um, so that was already decided and then last year um, I was coming back from injury and you know didn't think I'd be in any kind of shape to win races again so I thought I'll race Madrid um, get that out of the way then get home and do a bit more training and yeah felt great at Madrid and so I'd missed it again so <laughs> it's more more circumstance as much as anything uh, what about this year? Um, well it's non-drafting now and it's just That's before true. Beijing so yeah it, yeah, and Beijing's a big Olympic qualifier for the British team so that's a bit more important for me at the moment I think yeah. 
um, just, just, it's interesting, you know, because often when you look at athletes like yourself who have been hugely successful in a short period of time, that, you know, it's, it's interesting listening to you talking about, you know, I didn't have confidence and, you know, or my confidence was growing through these experiences that I was having. You know, like from on the outside, we look at you and we go, oh, this guy's just, you know, a legend at such a young age and he's doing so well. You know, maybe you already had that base confidence, but the way you're talking is kind of describing it's kind of been something that's grown along the way. What has that confidence brought to you over these last couple of years? You know, when you've gone from Beijing, you've gone, okay, well, I can kind of be here. And then you had a year where you pretty much went undefeated. You know, what has that done to you as an athlete and the way you train and your mental side of your game? Um, well, I think it changes quite a lot kind of on the outside sometimes. I mean, I, I always think maybe I didn't have confidence before races, but put me in a race and put me next to anyone I prepared to race them, no matter who they was or um, you know, I don't care. I just, I think I'm a kind of very natural racer. And um, so I didn't really race a lot of confidence when I was actually in the race. Um, just kind of got on with it. But um, yeah, it it kind of changes the way, you know, you go from start being on the start line in, in the numbers of, of the 50s and then going on the start line and being in the single figures to being on the start line and wearing number one. And suddenly, you know, um, yeah, I suppose everyone's watching you and, you know, they're not going to let you go off the front of the bike or they're gonna you're a bit more of a marked man so I suppose that's the that's a change that changes the way you race um I suppose how confidence actually affected me <laughs> I don't really know um I suppose um yeah it's not always maybe as confident as it seems I mean I know when I'm in good good form and things are going well but even then there's so many other factors that go on in triathlon that um you know you can't control that it doesn't really have that big of an effect you know you can still puncture or crash or whatever. So, um, yeah, but you've got to try not worry about them too much because you can't do much about it. What, what about um, in terms of motivated motivation when you're out there? Um, you know, we see um, Snowsaw and yourself sometimes really running off the front and, and having um, sizable margins between, say, first and second place. What motivates you to keep sort of pushing the pace when you've got clearly got the race won? Um, rather than buttoning off and uh, and just finishing off, what sort of motivates you to keep going hard and keep you know, the the accelerator pedal down? Um, I don't know really. Um, it, it's not always just go as fast as I can, go as fast as I can. I think um, you know I kind of do a mental calculation with myself sometimes. I suppose I'm thinking if I've got 30 seconds at 2k, you could still run 15 second of k into me and cash me. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't give it too much thought. You know, I'm just racing and I'm just kind of going for it. And um, yeah, if some races, you just win and some races, you, you know, you win by miles. I'm, I'm not thinking, oh, I can really ease off now. I'm thinking, uh, just get to the finish line as quick as you can, to be honest. Let's get it over with. What about, um, obviously you had uh, a bit of a mishap last year um, in London, I think it was. When you, you sort of collapse pretty close to the line or collapse over the line, does that play on your mind much now? Um, because I've seen it sort of mentioned on a number of different places. Um, does, do you still think about that or does that affect you when you're racing or training at all? Um, I was really worried that it would affect me when I was racing, that um, you know, I wouldn't be able to push myself to the limit, um, you know, really hurt myself. But yeah, I didn't seem to have a problem with that at all, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I, it did worry me at the time and even in training, but I, I felt the effects for months and months afterwards in training. You know, I, I was getting halfway through sessions and just blowing up. Um, and then I, I, I didn't really seek much advice about it, but um, then went to see a doctor, I think months later in the October, November, and he said, um, yeah, you shouldn't be doing anything, any intensity really, you shouldn't be racing. 
Um, I think by that time I'd probably raced about another 10 times since the incident. So, um, yeah, and he said, you shouldn't do intensity for another six months. And I was like, oh, don't be ridiculous. Um, so, yeah. And um, so, yeah, the effects were still present then, obviously. But, um, yeah, I was quite worried that it would affect me. But, yeah, I, I think I seem to be over it now. And um, at the time, it was quite a worrying situation to be in, really. Do you... um? You know, like, I'm always fascinated with people who are the high, high-level people in the world, and, you know, you, we've got to look at you and say, well, you're one of those people. How do you keep yourself kind of balanced away from triathlon, you know, because I imagine this triathlon has taken up a lot of your time, you know, you've got a lot of interviews, you've got your training, you've got your sport. Do you do you try to keep something aside that's, a, that's different to triathlon? Um, well, actually, up to now, I've always been studying at uni, so um, I've just finished a master's. Um, I've been doing over a couple of years, so I've had that on. Um, but I think um, triathlon is definitely my life and training, particularly even if it isn't really intense all the time. I mean, and I think I'm really fortunate in that I actually really enjoy doing it. I live in a great area for training. Um, I have lots of friends that do it, so a lot of my training is social training, go out for long rides and stuff, and that's a lot of fun. Um, and I, I kind of have all this stuff going on. I like reading and, and um, just relaxing and not doing much. But, yeah, I think triathlon is kind of is my life and I kind of accept that and okay um it's nice to have other stuff going on and I have always studied it as well but yeah it's kind of I kind of just let it let it go as it is so what was your study and uh I've just finished a, a master's in finance nice, yeah. keeping, nice. The books, keeping the books tidy keeping the books tidy hey, what, uh-huh. like, what, like the, big, the big picture question I suppose I have is why do you think you're so successful um a lot of luck, I think, really. Um, I mean, I've had a lot of luck along the way. I, I think uh, I've been lucky that I brought up in the right area. I had parents that took me to swimming and running clubs from a young age. Um, I think starting at young it has had a, a massive effect. You know, I think, you know, people say triathletes don't get the best till they're in the mid-20s, but I was probably training properly when I was 15. So, you know, you've already got quite a few years advantage on that. Um, I think I discovered a way of training as well. And I think in some ways kind of, um, not having influence of triathlon coaches from being really young helped me massively because um, I kind of didn't know what the limits were in a lot of ways. I, I, you know, I didn't know that maybe you should only swim and do two things on a day. As a 15-year-old, I was swimming, cycling to school, going running with a running club, um, you know, kind of doing a bit of everything. And I think um, just kind of discovering it my own way and kind of finding out where my own boundaries are, I think that probably had a big effect. As long as the luck of being in the right area, having friends, the right parents, having a brother to push me, um, you know, not having too many problems along the way, I think that's been a massive effect as well. So are you coached now or do you basically set your schedules yourself? Um, well, no, I have loads of, well, I have coaches, advisors. Um, I've got a running coach who's called Malcolm Brown and I see him and he sets two sessions a week and um, the kind of squad coach who's called Jack Maitland and um, I see him pretty much every day for a swim. Um, and strength conditioning coach, physio, and so people who advise me, and there's always advice there if I want it. Um, but outside that, I kind of set the general program myself. But it's kind of the same week on week now, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's nothing special. And um, it's just back. Well, maybe two more questions. One on Real Madrid. I mean, um, how was that uh, for you running side by side, or well, not side by side? You're sort of running together with your brother. Uh, did you guys um, talk at all during the the run league in terms of um, right? Let's just try to hammer it and kill Gomez, or um, did you guys just get on get on with the business? Um, well, we're running along about two k, and um, Johnny goes, 
He's hurting, he's hurting. <laughs> so we, we speeded up for a few hundred metres and then I thought, wow, this is a bit unexpected. unexpected. You know, I didn't expect to drop Gomez after 2K. This is good. Um, and then, yeah, we kind of just ran at my own pace after that. Um, yeah, we just got on with it, didn't really talk. And um, yeah, so after that, it was just we were just kind of running again, to be honest. It was a bit surreal. What's it like, the rivalry, you know, because, <clears throat> you know, you both have such a a big part of personality in your life based on this thing that you're doing against each other. How's that relationship with your brother? I'm sure, I'm sure, well, I don't know. How is it? Um, I think considering we live together, train together most of the time, um, you know, travel together, race against each other and we're mega competitive, I think we're pretty good, really. Um, I think we've learned that we can't be competitive all the time in every training session with everything we do. And, um, and yeah, I think more than anything, we've got a massive amount of respect for each other. So, you know, when I'm racing him, I kind of know how hard he's trained and how much he's put into it. So there's kind of a lot of respect for that as well. And um, we both know as well that how uh, how important each other is in our development as athletes and, you know, where we are now. So respect for that as well. It's kind of crazy. So goals-wise, like, do, do, are you someone who kind of thinks long-term? Are you, do you think, you know, Olympics, 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 or do you kind of plan goals for short periods of time? Or how do you go about setting what you're trying to achieve in your career? Um I'm not massive I mean I suppose I do set goals I don't actually write them down or um, you know decide on them but I just my goal I suppose is to be as best as I can be and that's year on year um, and so at the moment my goal I mean I'm racing Kitzbull this weekend and I'm hoping just to have a a good race in Kitzbull and then the Europeans the week after so I'm very short term goal setting really I can't really set too long term goals and I suppose if someone asked me my goal for this season it'd be to qualify for the Olympics so which I have to do in Hyde Park or Beijing so um, yeah it's that kind of thing but then obviously it's the Olympics the year after but I'm not kind of too closely looking into how I get there yet I'm just concentrating one step at a time Just with um, with Kitzbühel coming up this weekend um, obviously Chris McCormick's racing the Kona champ has there been much talk in the um, <clears throat> amongst the sort of you know, the elites there, the, the the regulars on the circuit about him racing. I mean, clearly, it's, well, we'll wait and see what happens. But has there been any much talk? Um, not that I know of, really. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I suppose I, I don't have a lot of contact with a lot of the guys. But, um, yeah, I, I haven't really come across much. I think from the people that I know, that maybe just a bit of intrigue to see how I get on. And, yeah, it'll be interesting. Do you think, you know, when you're a little bit older, like John and I, that maybe you would want to cross over to the longer distance stuff? Um, yeah, definitely. Give it 10 years, probably, though. Yeah, uh, well, you're so young, mate. <laughs> you've got a long time in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, de- oh, definitely. I, I, wanna, I think that's one of the fantastic things about triathlon, really, is there's so many different forms of the sport. You know, non-drafting racing, half Ironman, Ironman, even Xterra, all those kind of things, so... Yeah, hopefully I'll have a chance to try all sorts. I think John would pick you and I, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just one thing, you know, one thing we know about you is that you, you seem to train, like we've had emails from people telling us about how you train and, and we've had, uh, you know, we, we've seen you race. You know, you, you do really live on that high age of intensity and in, in everything you seem to do. How do you make sure you look after your body? Because, you know, you're young and you're kind of at that stage where maybe you can afford to be a bit more intense without the risk being so high but obviously you do have to think of a long-term career what do you do do you have actions in place that are making sure the maintenance of your body is you know handling the intensity you kind of bring to it yeah well um i suppose i do lots of little things i suppose um i think gym's probably one of the big thing i do gym a couple of times a week with some other exercises as well um just to try and help injury prevention 
Um, I do a lot of my running off-road um, to try and help that. Um, and outside that, I don't actually do a lot of high-intensity training. I do a lot of aerobic training, um, a lot of cycling miles, a fair amount of running miles. Um, and I think just building that aerobic base and kind of having your body get strong from doing a lot of mileage, I think that's probably quite a big factor in it as well. And um, I hope that doing it from a young age as well and working technically on trying to be technically good as well, that has a effect on... Um, you know, keeping the injuries away as well. So I suppose then the question is, do you have any tips for our listeners out there? You know, I know you're in a totally different league to, to, our, to our listeners, but, but you know, what, what kind of tips would you have out there for, you know, the triathlete who's maybe a junior triathlete? Um, I always get asked the same question, you know, yeah. what's the secret? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, there isn't a secret. You, There's no shortcuts, you know, you just got to uh, just get, a, get on with it and do do the training that you can the most training that's suitable for you and um yeah enjoy it but yeah i suppose that's the only tip i've got nice. <laughs> fair enough it's a good tip oh um we know you probably get inundated with interviews so thank you very much for sharing some of your time and whilst we uh we wish you well for kitspiel this weekend we also hope our kiwis do well so, yeah <laughs> um have a good one and we, we're really looking forward to the olympics it's obviously going to be a a special time for the whole UK and um, and I'm sure you guys are going to do awesomely well so um, thanks again for your time and um, good luck this weekend uh, thank you thanks very much thanks mate so what do you think um, kind of what I expected he's just a, a young man isn't he's he he's a young man because yeah. you know, like, I know you were really excited about doing the interview and I was too Yeah. Um, but at the same time I thought well, he's, he's still just a young man yeah. he's, he's just coming out of university obviously oh, well, what I found really interesting guy. was it's just his, his like you, when you these people who are these elite elite athletes in any sport, well, you you just assume they're very confident people, and it's not that he was lacking confidence in in this conversation, but just the way he talked about, you know, I, you know, the confidence came then, and you know, like, I suppose you just assume that they think they've got it, mm. and obviously, you know, the, the confidence has grown through experience more with him than him turning up from day one thinking I'm going to be the world champ. And I think um, what it also reinforces, if, if you guys have read the book Bounce, um, it really emphasizes what that book is about is there's so many factors that come into building a champion you know he's physiologically he may not be that different to other people but he was in a situation where he was in camps on a regular basis yep. he had parents that were into it he lived in a great area he had, he had good training mates he had some good coaches and it sounds like the more individual it was like the coaches. perfect storm wasn't it so everything sort of came together um and that's what you need you know it's but at the same time we also got to do the work Mm. You know, mm. so it's kind of, it, and you got to love what you're doing. So I think that's the thing. He, he just sounds like he loves to train and loves. He to sounds like one of those people. Like I mean, when you talk, to, you talk to some people. Like Chris is like this. You talk to her and you just go, "This person would be successful no matter what they did." Mm. And he sounds like one of those guys who's just young, got his head screwed on. Mm. You know, he's got his, his master's. He's only twenty, and you know, mm. like he's obviously a pretty, pretty crude up young man. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. I hope he does well. I'm sure he will. Um, just awesome watching people like that race, eh? Mm. You know, like I was, I just think in any sport, if you get to see the dude who's going to be a legend in the sport racing, it's, it's always a pretty mm. privileged thing, eh? So. so if you're anywhere where there's a, a World Championship Series, anywhere close to you, it's uh, they are a good watch to go and see, see the, how fast those guys um, run. Maybe next year we'll do a trip to Sydney. Um, I wouldn't be complaining. I could certainly talk Belinda into that. Yeah, well, maybe, yeah. Well, maybe we'll do an IM, I know we're, we're an IM talk. Mm-hmm. We've Maybe we'll have our one ITU yearly special. Yeah. We'll do a Sydney trip. I'll be keen. Could be good. Yep. Because we could probably get a media pass too, couldn't we? Things are, things are happening in my head, Bevan. Okay. <laughs> See, I've already got you thinking, haven't I? Yes. <laughs> okay, then. So the Iron Talk trip to Sydney because we're at Kona mm. and then we're to Sydney mm. and then Kona. Mm. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> Maybe we should go to the Olympics. Um, <laughs> London. Well, that's not inconceivable. I'm sure we've got enough people that can hook us up. Do you think we get London. a media pass for that? That would be a stretch. Nah, because I know Blair Norton, one network news. Yeah. He'll be able to hook me up. Yeah. <laughs> we could be the commentators. Get rid of Mark Watson. We could be the triathlon commentators. That's right. We could. I've done commentary. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah. and you could do it. You're, you're a legend. Yes. Okay. Uh, we're sponsor. Ex- extreme. We've done, we've done, yeah, we're up to extreme endurance. Because we did it the wrong way around. Extreme endurance. What are we going to talk I about, John? I didn't write any notes down there. Extreme endurance. We do. Um, main thing you need to know with extreme endurance is the code IMTALK, um, and that will give you a 20% discount. And. Um, I'm going to say this. We had a couple of people bagging us about some. some Go on, John. Let it out about some things and about you know having a, a supplement. They don't like the fact there. we're using. They They think we've sold out. And all I'd encourage you to do. I totally respect people who have um, differing opinions. Differing opinions, and they may not look at supplementation as something they'd like to do. That's absolutely fine. Don't disrespect people. Yep. But um, if you do want to try a supplement, the reason I we I'm happy to endorse it is because You've experienced it, it. it worked really really well. Oh, for me. I have to answer that. No, Devin's got floor issues. Oh, oh, wait, you. Can so the main thing is, is um, rather than if you if you're into supplements, rather than completely discounting it, um, just give it a try. All I did with when when I did it, um, one bottle was enough to convince me that it was it was worthwhile doing. So um, if you get on there, put in the code IamTalk.me and get yourself a bottle. Give it a try for a build up for a race, and uh, and then judge whether you think it's a good thing or not. Don't beg us. Try it before you bag us. That's thing, we haven't really had any negative feedback from, from people trying it, eh? Yeah. And if anything, if people have had, like, Hancock, yeah. he, he had his best, best ever Ironman New Zealand. And this is a guy who's been racing for years. It's not mm. someone who's had that second race and you go 20 minutes faster just because you're mm. doing your second race. Hell Tao, we've had people who... It's not know, a wonder drug. It's not a wonder no. drug. But um, and the experiences we've had with it, it helped. Our experiences, it really helps with your recovery. Um, and if you do your training combined, it should help your performance as well. So okay, so yeah. extreme endurance. Xendurance.com. Check, check, check it out, John. Mm. Questions and answers. You were going to do a nutritional roundup. Maybe we should do that next do week because this week. is going to be. The, see, <laughs> look what you thought we were going to get into yeah. the show. He said two more segments, which are probably a good ten-minute segments each by themselves. So okay. Questions and answers. Uh, very quickly. Very quickly. Okay, you go. So we had this one in from Peter Colston. Uh, you know Cameron's listens to the show. Cameron Griffiths at Challenge Ken's did a 52, oh, yeah, 57 second yep. T2. And that was beating... Fastest of the day. Beat uh, Rebecca Keat, who was 104, Chris McCormick, 107, and Belinda Granger, 112. Very impressive. Do nice you know what work. I think we should do, John? No, uh, we're not going to give away free stuff yeah, because okay. in the past we did say we give away free. And I think we did for the first person who did it. Yeah. But what we're going to do is going to be a club, Club Bevan. Right. And if you can get, and you can even get it printed off on your T-shirt or something, that you're in Club Bevan. And it's only you can only be in Club Bevan if you've ever won a transition at, a, at an iron, iron distance, distance race. race. Yeah. So if you've won a transition, you can be in Club Bevan. Have you, are you in Club Bevan, John? I don't believe I am. No, you're not. I am. Did you have fast overall? I did. I'm going to go back and check. You, you can double check it because that was the amazing thing. It was yes. the only thing I won that day. Yeah. Um, just a, we just got an email through from uh, Bridget Goldman, and she was just wondering about. Um, now, what was it that got me interested here? She had a parasite. Do you know much about parasites? No. Oh, the fascinating things. This American Life is a podcast I listen to, and uh, it's a great podcast actually. This American Life, it's kind of a storytelling thing, but mm. they did a, a show on parasites, and parasites are. Fascinating. Like they always know what the end product is. Yeah. So they'll go like, let's say they want to be in, oh, 
They'll, they'll be in the grass so the cow will eat them. Then they'll go into the milk so something else will drink it. And then they'll want to be in a cat, but they'll go through all these animals to get to the cat. Or parasites, there's some where they actually eat the tongue of a fish and become the tongue. Yeah, like it's phenomenal stuff. But she had a problem with parasites a couple of years ago, and she was just saying, I actually haven't done IMEM yet, but managed to score a spot in IMEM New Zealand next year. Looking forward to it, especially as my opportunity to do the iron distance event was taken away from me earlier this year because I picked up a nasty gut parasite a month before the race of the event. Got me thinking, would it be interesting to include this topic in gut issues, e.g. parasites? So I suppose I'm just curious, maybe if you can put this on Facebook, have you experienced a parasite? Mm-hmm. And Tony, she was wondering if Karen Doherty actually got it in New Zealand. So, yeah, parasites, stay with me. She also likes Karen West to train too. And lastly, just I got an email from a young man called Soren Erickson, mm-hmm. and he's 15 years old, and he's listening to the show from Minnesota in nice. America. And what's the young girl? Because the, the young girl in Kashmir. You know? uh, Ella, Ella Harris. How old is she? She's only about 13, isn't she? No, she's not that. She's still at primary school, so she'd be... 11-ish, 12-ish oh, So Alice probably a youngest listener. Mm-hmm. But you may be our youngest male listener. I'm loving the young generation listening to us. That's right. It makes me feel I'm still hip, John. We are hip, baby. Well, well, we, we are. are with it. Yep. Hippity hop. Yep, yep, we're with it. Okay, so that's pretty much news. I nicknames. Mean, nicknames. So these are people that have just, out of the goodness of their heart, donated to the show to help us get to Kona, and uh, we fully appreciate it. So David... Braveheart Chambers, his yes. regular contributor. We yes. like it. Yes, we have. I almost because I forgot that Braveheart was his nickname, yes. and I was going to call him the Kiwi Warrior. Oh. And then, but then he, then I thought, oh no, he's Braveheart. Now, Lisa, uh, the abominable adventurer. Where'd that come from? Well, on her on her um, athletes page, she's like snowshoeing somewhere. Oh, so nice. Like, abominable. Yeah. And I thought she can't let me the abominable snowman, the abominable adventurer. Beck. Nice. Yep. That's a good one. James the Wise One Botel donated again. Thank you very much, James the Wise One Botel. Giancarlo uh, the Italian, Italian Stallion. Stallion. Yeah. Is that? Nice. That's a good one when you want to pick up the ladies too, isn't it? Yes. I, don't know, I don't know if he's married or not, but if he isn't, just saying. People call me the Italian Stallion. Yes. <laughs> that's kind of going down well. Just, um, just doing it. Next one, I wasn't sure. Greg, the Smashing Machine, May. Yeah. Now that was because I went and looked up Greg on Athlinks, so he may have contributed to the show before, but it might have been a little while ago. Um, but his name on Athlinks is Greg the Smashing Machine. I'm figuring somebody's probably not going to give themselves that nickname, so I'm picking he probably gave it to uh, We probably gave it to him. I'm just trying to see if it's on here. Okay, then Justin Superdad Waller. What's that about, John? Because on his... Athlinks page is a picture of him with his little child. I think it was I think it was a daughter, and the daughter's holding his medal. And so that is he is he is the special machine is right. Okay, sorry, I, I, sorry. He was his his picture with his, with his daughter holding one of his race medals. So oh nice. He's a super keeping dad. it real. He's a super dad. He is. Well, Michael Threadgold, he you said to me make one of him, yes. didn't you? And, and so I was around at Joe's parents last night because that's where I stayed in earthquake times. Yeah, with the in-laws, and I'm pretty lucky because they're pretty good in-laws. But I'm going to Joe, babe. I need to make a nickname. You can make it up. Okay. So this is this is the, the first Joe nickname, right? And we went on his athletes page, and he's holding he's, he's holding his medal or something, and he's got a Mazda car behind him. Yeah, yeah. And he's got he must work for a company with triathlon. Oh, he's got triathlon stickers on his car. Yeah, he likes yeah. swim, bike, run. It could have been an expo. Yeah, but it looked like there's a, his bike was on top of the car. Mm. Yeah, yeah maybe what, maybe, yeah. maybe it was an expo or not. And then Mazda Joe goes, why don't we call him? Master engine, so it's a bit of a wordplay. So it could be master engine or master engine. 
Right. Yeah. So Joe, my Joe came up with that one. So Michael, if you don't like it, it's not my fault. Yes. Mazda engine. Joe's pretty successful in her career, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. Was it? <laughs> Leave the expert nickname experts to their jobs. <laughs> to, to the men who know how to do it. Yeah. It's a man's job. So there you go. So if you want to donate to the show, obviously all that money is going to our Kona Fund, and hopefully we can get some cars this year. So because cycling was a real pain in the butt last yes, year, right. and we'll probably get more interviews with a car, wouldn't we? Yes. Yeah, so we get more efficient use of our time. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. We can have a few. Because more... the pros didn't all live next door to us. That was the problem. No. If they were just next door to us, it would have no. been fine. Um, so go to imtalk.me. Go to the get us to Kona link. Takes you through our PayPal page, and Bob's your uncle, and you too can have your I am talk nickname like Master Engine. Master Engine. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love it. Okay, John, what you got? Um, at Thomas's fourth birthday at the weekend. Wow. Yeah. Four. You know what? It's a good call at a birthday for I. I pulled out the. All the I didn't pull out the well, back it up. What'd you pull but out? We had a party. We had a party on Sunday. Hide out a little church hall. And you hide out a church hall for a party. It's, it's thirty bucks. It's like. It's easy. You know? That's a good one. Yeah. What, do you think to do at your own house? Well, the house is not that big. And if we, we had like... What church hall did you hire? Um, down on Good Life or, or whatever, um, down on Columbo Street. It's fine. Hired Bouncy Castle. Oh, how much did that cost you? The toy Library, 60 bucks. So 60 bucks for a Bouncy Castle? So, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm in the Toy Library. I'm in the loop, man. I'm oh, in the loop. What's the Toy Library? I pass the man's toy library. What's that? It's you go there and you just hire toys. It's like a library. It's like a toy library. You go there, you get them out for two weeks, take them home, return them. That's gold. That's brilliant. Absolutely. How much does it cost you to be in the toy library? It's thirty bucks, I think. But then what, you got to do a, a couple of no, yeah, you got to do a couple of services. It's a little voluntary. What do you mean service? Like you go, you, you go, go, you go in there and you're a librarian for the day. Where do they stuff. get the toys from? Well, they buy them because you pay to get the toys out. So you might pay three or four bucks to get a toy out. Yeah. And so use it fun. That's a great idea. That's brilliant. Because kids don't get sick of their toys. Exactly. You don't have to have heaps of crap around your house. Oh, this is a great so, idea. So you got the bouncy, bouncy castle, castle. you got the hall. That's all you needed. You didn't need anything else. You just need the bouncy castle, and they just did laps and laps and laps. And they burnt it. out. How many kids did you have there? Uh, about 15. 15 nice. 16. Yeah. Nice. It was good times. It was good planning, John. It was. I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm so impressed. It was good. So that was our main event of the weekend, and then we had another birthday party on Saturday. So um, training, change, training is going to take a bit of a hit with yesterday's activities. Of Why the earthquakes. Well, I'm just trying to miss you know, half a day of work and then all the ensuing stuff that's going to follow on. Oh, so yeah. um, training's going okay. So I'm, I'm I was meant to go for a run yesterday and I didn't. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, I got mine done in the morning first thing. So. Well, I did an hour's exercise in the morning, but still, I was meant to get a run done. Mm-hmm. I didn't break my heart. So they're coming up this week. Um... Looking forward to Kitzbühel World Championship Series coming up at the weekend. And I can't think of much else happening this weekend. I had a moral dilemma last week, John. Moral yes. dilemma. Because I had eight of my, my daughter's friends staying. 14-year-olds, mm-hmm. good kids. And it's good. You know what? If you play music, John, start learning guitar now. Yes, you've told me that many times. Yes, well, I'll, I'll give you some lessons. Because when you're... Music's one of those things that 14-year-olds will still want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, normally, if I didn't play music... Basically, you have to hide in your bedroom when the 14 year olds come yes. around. You go in your bedroom, you get your laptop, you watch a movie, and you feel yeah. like you're trapped in your own house. Yes. But because I play music, they love to sing. So I got the guitar out and I played guitar and piano, and they sang for a couple of hours, and then eventually I got trapped in my bedroom. Yeah. But, yeah. but one of the friends who wasn't there that night yeah. had stolen $300. Oh. See, I'm sorry, but it's, it's earthquake times. This thing's, oh, things well, might well, have to happen. Well, but you were answering the phone before as well. No, well, no, well, well I'm just going to take a second. See Hello. Oh, I'm, I'm pausing. I'm coming back in a second. Hello. Hello. Yes. Dear I. 
John wasn't happy because Dave Dwan just rang, didn't he? Dave Dwan. Dave Dwan. Interrupting our show. Interrupting he should our know. Show. Okay, so back to my story. Yes. Dave Dwan, sharpen up. You're not that good at CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so they come around, and one of the friends who's a normally good friend who comes around to the house a lot has, was grounded that night, mm-hmm. so she couldn't come. But the girls all told me how she had stolen $300 from her nana. Mm-hmm. And they told me in trust. Mm-hmm. So in that situation, do you tell the parent what's happened, or do you just not say anything? Oh goodness, I really don't know. Yeah, it's a hard one, eh? Yeah, because it's kind of like in some ways the kid needs to be caught so they can learn their lesson. Mm. And, and but then your your child and their friends have told you in trust. I can't believe they even she told you. Oh, my daughter tells me everything. Yeah. I'm really lucky. Like a few weeks ago, they they all the girls had tried smoking. You know, mm. they're of that age where these things happen, and. Um, luckily my daughter didn't <laughs> and, uh, but they came in I came into the bedroom there was seven girls here and they said oh Bevan we tried smoking we feel really bad and we'll, do we have to tell our parents and stuff and so, we had this big, so I'm quite lucky they are very open to me which is great because I can have good discussions around these but in this situation what would you do? Oh, I don't know I'm just not even going to answer that here I just don't know yeah it was really hard yes yeah I, I, I haven't but told the parents bad child well kids are going to do stupid things and, and to be honest I, her situation she's got a lot of things happening so I think it's a, it's a you know just being rebellious but kids will do stupid things and I think if you can have open and clear communication you can teach them lessons and it's important and th- these you know these are the issues you get when you get to teenagers but her friends I don't know let's, let's try it on show but her friends should make her feel so bad that the money should have to go back yeah well in theory but do they don't know yeah Anyway, um, what else is happening? I've taken you down the wrong path, haven't yeah. I? John, you, you start preparing, mate. Ten years from now, this is your problem you're going to have. Deal with it then. You're going to go, oh, no, <laughs> my, my daughter's pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, um, oh, we might be buying houses this Wednesday. Oh, auction day, is it? Auction day Wednesday, John. <laughs> it's all going to be out. Well, I don't even know if we'll be on. We're going to be doing out. another inspection? <laughs> no, well, we'll have to put a new clause in saying for another inspection. Can you do that at auctions? Well, we're going to have to. Right. I'll buy a house after that quake and not have it tested. Mm. It'd be a mug. Mm. So what's what's the strategy, John? Um, you sit back and wait. You, you sit reckon? back and wait. You do like a trade me or sort of eBay thing. You sit back and wait. If somebody thinks they've got it, then you go boom. So do you go boom with a bigger, much bigger price? Because I know you're deep down, you're tight. Because it boom if you can say it's going for five hundred thousand, and you go okay, well sweet, I'm will- okay, I'm willing to pay. 510 mm. and uh, so 500 and you go boom 505 or do you go 510 or do you go 501 I go 501 <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't scare them yeah but they might they might think it unsettles them because they might think right we've got this we've got this and they're sitting back they're going one they're going once going twice boop gotcha and they'll go oh no what do we do now and then they go again you go boom again yes. you've got to keep attacking them yeah. Well, see, it's interesting because I was talking to an agent the other day and the agent was saying to me, you actually go in first early and then when someone else comes in, you top them a lot. Mm-hmm. So you might say, okay, 450, and you go, okay, 450, John comes in. And I go, 450, and John goes, oh, oh 455, 460, yeah. oh, 470. You just keep banging and it breaks them. I would only take advice from an agent who was not involved in the auction. If it was you know, this one was. That's okay. Then yeah. That's probably legitimate advice. Yeah, that, that was, yeah. Anyway. Millie, I, I'm a little bit nervous about the experience. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll find out next week if I'm in a new house. Exciting times. I am excited. I want to live with you. One other non. Uh, <laughs> this, is a, this may be the longest show of all time. Yes, but you've started, and you wanted two more segments. You've started bringing up non triathlon topics. You know what the thing was? What? Is because your, your segment went over five minutes. That's the <laughs> problem. You may have seen some things circulating on email this week, Bevan, um, about uh, a, a social activity where we have. Oh, am I allowed to talk about that? Well, we, can, we just mentioned it, but this is the thing. Okay, we're going over time. We're going yeah. well over time. Get an email. I wasn't sure because I wasn't sure if you weren't inviting some people, and it was one of those situations where we shouldn't oh, talk about on the show. Right. John and Belinda are having their seventieth combined birthday party on the 9th of July. Yes, I've got it in my diary. And so I get the email from John saying, "Okay, Belinda, and I have decided that maybe we do this and blah blah." And Belinda wants a theme, but I no, don't think don't, I want a theme. Oh, you wanted a theme. I want a theme, and then Belinda's saying, "No, you no, know, girls in general." You should say body language right now, guys. Friends of our houses were also saying, "Girls were saying we don't have any theme, no theme parties." And I said, oh, "I really like a theme, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah." But anyway, okay, so battles. So John just said, "No, okay, hey." You pick your battles. Yep. You know, you're in a relationship, you give, you take. So John comes through, say, okay, we're not going for the thing, but we're going to have this party, you come along. And I'm like, yeah, we're going along. Party, party, party. Then a couple of days later, email overriding John's email. Yes. Suddenly we've got a theme, John. Yeah, all of a sudden, the theme's a great idea. <laughs> Jeez, I wonder who said that originally. <laughs> so we've now got a theme party. And what's the theme? Hawaiian theme. Yeah, Joe, Joe, I think Joe's going to go as a triathlete. Nice. Because that wouldn't be the, she's not the triathlete, she's your guy as a triathlete, mm. and I'm going to go as a hula girl. Yes. Because I've even got the hula bra. It's going to be interesting to see if anybody goes in the pool. Oh, yeah. No, not I am taking the cover off. Really? It will be open. Some Depends l- how drunkenness happens. Yes, I've got a couple of friends. If it's drunken debauchery, mm. someone will be nude in the pool. Mm. Okay, John, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll make a video about that night. <laughs> I think that's enough for this week. I think that's enough for like the next three weeks. Yes. <laughs> I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.